Welcome to the Healthcare Podcast, brought to you by MarketScale. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. The fundamental question that comes with designing new medtech devices is this one. What are the user needs and requirements? The question feels simple enough, but it's far from simple. With that question comes others. Who is the user? What makes a good requirement? How do you actually test these requirements? For a medtech designer like Nick Lesniewski-Loss, director of electrical engineering for Sunrise Labs, what he cares about the most is user needs that are unambiguous and testable. On today's healthcare podcast, Lesniewski-Loss digs into this multi-layered question of delivering on user needs and defining needs versus requirements versus actual mandated FDA requirements. He breaks down the importance of atomicity, the way user needs affect everyone from the manufacturers to the patients, and his process for getting everyone involved on the same page so that potentially life-saving product can make its way efficiently to market. All right, Nick, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today? I'm well, Daniel. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for joining us. And I'm excited to dig into something that we haven't touched on on our healthcare podcast before, and that's really looking at user needs and requirements in healthcare design. Uh, You know, I think when it comes to the healthcare industry, a lot of these kinds of processes, you know, whether it's implementing new technology, whether it's designing physical spaces, whether it's designing uh, the technology, right? Anything that has to do with implementing something new into the healthcare space often comes a little slower. It can be difficult because not only are you dealing with a lot of regulations, but, you know, you do have people's lives literally in your hands. So you want to make sure everything is to the specifications that are required and that gets us to user needs and requirements right as um you know a company that provides these services you obviously want to be in tune with what your users really need so to dive in firstly i'd like to look at what even is the user right i think that is the biggest issue is defining who the user is here are we talking about the patients are we talking about the physicians uh you know who here is actually using the space so tell me a little bit about when it comes to meeting these requirements for the user how do you even define who the user is yeah that's a great question so uh, i think really different people define it in different ways and that can be uh, frustrating it can be a great challenge when trying to work with uh, our customers because they will often have a different idea about how to even define uh, the term. And what I mean by that is, is I think everyone agrees that a patient is going to be a user of a medical device, um, of most medical devices. Uh, for a surgical tool, for example, the patient may be asleep. They may not be technically a user, though, of course, we still need to consider uh, their needs during the, the surgery. I think everyone also agrees that uh, the clinician or the physician who is using a device counts as a user. Uh, I think the agreement sort of ends there. And uh, and then you have different companies and different people who will consider different levels of user within their user needs statements, uh, including service people, service technicians, um, or even people on the manufacturing line. You know, sometimes for big complex assemblies, uh, you may need people to get into the device and uh, install things or move things around as part of the manufacturing process. And, uh, and in those cases, their safety is actually quite important and their ability to do their job and to, to complete production of the device is quite important. So considering them and user needs can be helpful, uh, but they're not uh, an end user. They're a skilled technician. 
So sometimes people, uh, when I say people, sometimes companies who are deciding uh, how to define their user needs want to specifically exclude uh, needs relating to manufacturer or service technicians because they are expected to be skilled uh, and to have instructions on how to operate the system. And they're somewhat out of the scope of what the FDA is expecting when they uh, refer to defining your user needs. And the view of some of these companies is that if it's not strictly required by the FDA, then they don't want to include it because they don't want to risk being audited on it. And that's, that's a reasonable approach. I can't really disagree with that approach. Uh, but I think it makes my job more difficult as a product designer because I need to consider not just the needs of the patient and the physician, but also the technicians. Uh, also beyond that, you know, market needs are often kept separate from user needs, but really the two are overlap heavily, right? So you might have a market need to sell the device in a certain market or to uh, sell it at a certain price point. And you may say, well, those aren't really user needs. They don't deal with the, the safety of the user or the ability of the user to use the product, but they do. If a user can't purchase the product because they either can't afford it or they don't live in a region where it's uh, sold, then they can't benefit from it. So, you know, do you put those in a marketing needs you know, statement or do you put them in a user needs statement? Again, from a product development standpoint, I don't really care where those statements come from. I need to consider all of them. So it's easier for me to just think of them all as, as user needs. Right. And it's just so many different challenges because when you are designing these products, like you said, you're not just looking at how is this going to perform you know, technically the best. It's also you know, how can I make sure to source this with products that are at a price point that people can actually purchase them and use them, right? And that you're not putting too much money into the the design of it, um, into the actual materials that go into designing the product. And then at that point, you have to sell it at a higher product, uh, or excuse me, you have to sell it at a higher price point and then make a profit. And then at that point, no one's buying it, right? It's all these little things that how do we actually get this product in the hands of the user? And every step in between is technically a user need, because if the user whether that's the clinician or whether that's the patient who is receiving the device, uh, can't access it, it doesn't work for them. And that is because of a manufacturing issue, a distribution issue, a price point issue, or a technical issue. All of that falls under user, I think, and a user need. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I think it does all fall under uh, what I would consider user needs. I think it, it can be a touchy area, though, and that's where we get into to trouble because you know, there are guidances out there and there are rules out there, uh, particularly with the newer versions of of, uh, of the regulations, 14.971, for example, that preclude us from considering cost when we uh, assess risk in certain ways. And so it's it, people are very afraid, companies are very afraid of making the, the statement, well, you know, the cost target is part of our needs because if we don't make the cost target, then we can't sell the product. Uh, technically, that's 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 touchy. Uh, it's a touchy area. Uh, however, it's it's a very true area. the The fact of the matter is that if your product is too expensive, you're only going to get so much reimbursement for it. If it's too expensive, you can't sell it, which means the cu the customer can't buy it, which means they can't extract any benefit from it. So, so we certainly have to consider those factors in the uh, you know in the, the design of the the products. And then you know beyond that, when you look at the actual phrasing of the word user needs or user requirements. The word requirements often feels like, okay, if you don't meet this point, there's going to be some 
issue, right? Someone is going to bring the hammer down and say, hey, you didn't meet this user requirement. But I think you and I both know here that it can be very rare for these requirements to actually even be testable. Um, And a user need is more of something that is not a true requirement, but it's more of like, you said it yourself, a user needs statement, right? Something that they express what we need out of this and you try and meet it to the best of your ability. It's not necessarily the requirement that someone comes down and says, hey, you didn't meet this requirement. This needs to be, you know, this can't hit the market. So how do you try and balance that side of it, both meeting, um, you know, what the FDA is looking for uh, in their actual requirements and then also looking at what the user requires of you, but more on on a a trusting level, right? It's more of just a out of uh, respect for the product and um, respect for getting it in the hands of those who need it, not necessarily some some mandated law. Yeah, I think there were a few a few sort of issues and questions brought up there. Uh, So I I agree. I think there's a lot of muddling between the, the concept of user needs statements versus user requirements. Uh, a lot of our customers will, will come to us, you know, companies big and small, and they will give us what they call a user requirements specification. And it's it's filled with, with these phrases, with these requirements that are written as if they were requirements. But the people who wrote them clearly uh, wrote them as user needs statements. They, they are not, they don't meet some basic requirements of being a requirement. For example, they, they may not be testable which is, is really important to a requirement because if, if I can't test to it, it means I can't show that my product actually meets the requirements. So I can't prove to you that my product does what I told you it would do. So testability is extremely important in a formal requirement. Um, so normally what I, what I try to uh, encourage and push with the customers that come in is this view that the user requirements, and I use air quotes around requirements there, are really more user needs statements. And what we're going to do is, is create system requirements that tell what the product is going to do. And then we we test to those, we verify against the system requirements. And that is our way of showing them that the product does what we told them it would do. They still have to validate the product, which means they have to uh, show that it meets the user's needs. But that might be a combination of usability studies and uh, tests to show that the user requirements are met to within their comfort level of it. Uh, but that's a little bit less of a quantitative process than uh, the system requirements verification, where we'll say that the product does something specific. It might measure temperature to within one degree Celsius. And so we have to come up with a test that puts it in the mode where it's measuring temperature, show that it measured it, show that the specifications or that it meets that specification uh, and document that. And that's our proof that our product does what we said it would do. Right. And I think at the core of that issue is, is the requirement even a good system requirement, right? Like, how do you align that between someone like yourself who is actually designing the products, then with the manufacturers, then with the users themselves? Um, Because it, it sounds like oftentimes you have clients that will 
send you over their user requirements, but they're they're not verifiable. They're not testable. And that makes it really difficult for them to even know if what you're delivering is what they wanted in the first place. It's just this this nebulous uh, soup that you can't really do much with. So tell me a bit about that side of it. How do you get everyone on the same page of what is a good requirement in the first place? You know, what should we actually be setting standards for? What which of these requirements are testable? You know, break that down a bit for me. So there there are two aspects to that. The first is about how we define requirements around our product uh, or our product development uh, effort. And that is, we call that translation from the user needs to requirements. Uh, We take the user needs as given to us by uh, our customers or by uh, our partners who gather user needs from from users uh, and through market analyses. And those may come to us in the form of of a user, of a set of user requirements, a user requirements specification. But at that point, we're treating those as user needs statements. We're not treating those as verifiable requirements. Then we translate those into system requirements, usually in collaboration with uh, marketing with the customers uh, in order to come up with those verifiable requirements. And then we verify to those to prove that it does what we said it would do. That part, actually, people generally agree on pretty well. The part that people don't agree on well is the second part of your question, which is about what makes a good system requirement. And uh, we actually just had a a meeting with five or six of the uh, systems engineers and project managers within Sunrise to talk about how we we manage this this process and what we consider a good requirement and how we can better train our engineers to understand how to both read and write requirements. And all of us could not agree on what what the most important parts of a requirement are. Uh, To me, as, as someone who has been an engineer you know, since birth, all I really care about is producing something that is good, producing something that does what I said it would do and that does what it needs to do in order to be successful, in order to help people. You know, I'm in the business of designing medical devices because I want to help people and I want to make sure that the devices I design are best able to do that. So a lot of guidelines around requirements writing are aimed toward that, but don't really hit the mark in my opinion. So there are requirements like, uh, or there's expectations like requirements should be unambiguous. They should be correct. They should be consistent. Uh, they should be traceable. They should be unique. They should be atomic. And of those, I think by far the most important things to me are unambiguous and uh, testable or verifiable. If a requirement is ambiguous, then two different people reading it might read it different ways. It's very difficult to say that whether that what the designer has designed actually meets what the author of the requirements meant. And that can be a huge problem and is intrinsic in language. You know, human language is full of ambiguities. Uh, you know, there, there we have homophones, we have words that sound the same. We have words that are the same but mean different things. If I use the word love, I could be talking about romance or score in tennis. It, it makes it very difficult to write unambiguous uh, statements about what a product will or will not do. Um, but that's that, in my opinion, is, is the ultimate goal of the requirements. Others like atomicity, so an atomic requirement is, is one that only requires one feature, one aspect. So if you have temperature measurement, uh, some people will be very adamant about making the, the range of temperature measurement a separate requirement from the accuracy of the temperature measurement. I really couldn't care much less about that. 
Uh, I'm fine with combining requirements. Uh, it doesn't really matter to my ability to design a product that meets those. It eases the job of the testers to make requirements atomic because they can test just one aspect. And then if that aspect uh, is not met, if the product does not meet that aspect, then you only have to go back and retest that one aspect. So it's, it makes testing a little bit more streamlined if your requirements are atomic. But I really, from a design standpoint, I really don't care that much. Right. Well, because if your requirements aren't atomic and you're sort of asking for, I want to make sure this does said thing, but said thing requires three different aspects to work in conjunction with each other and work well, you know, you test it, it doesn't work, then all of a sudden you're like, okay, well, which of these pieces isn't the one that's working, which requirement was not met, and then at that point you you just don't know where to go next, and then you have an unhappy user on your end, you know, you're probably stuck saying, okay, well, they didn't really even give me enough direction to begin with here. So it must make the whole situation really complicated, which brings me to my next point. And that is, you know, I'd love to hear an example from you of a complicated situation where you were given a specific user need or requirement. Maybe it wasn't, and you don't need to name any companies if you don't want to, um, really just sort of describing the situation and how you found the best way to sift through what they laid out and find, okay, this is the requirement that they're really asking for here. You know, this is this is a good requirement. I'm going to get back to them and say, hey, I don't think this is really what you're asking for. I recommend blank. Kind of walk me through one of those examples. Yeah, that's a, a good question. So I would say that it's not usually complicated. It's not that the user needs statements or the provide user requirements are complicated. It's that they're usually very nebulous or they're inexact. Again, it comes back to ambiguity. So one that comes up all the time, I would say every single user requirement specification I've seen put in front of me had a requirement that said the device shall be easy to use. And that's, that's great. You know, of course we want the device to be easy to use. We know that that relates to, uh, to whether or not the user will buy it. It relates to whether or not you'll get one star or five star on Amazon. And that's the difference between your company going under and your company thriving. Uh, heck, four stars to five stars on Amazon is the difference between your company failing and succeeding. So that, that's a, a it's a really tough requirement to to try and address to pare down to system requirements because what makes a device easy to use can be can vary wildly from whether you're talking about an MRI machine uh, to a Fitbit, right? The, the the needs there are very very different. Um, I would say that usually it comes down to some very basic concepts, and that's what we'll start to dig into with the customers is, well, when you say it shall be easy to use, what are you envisioning will be difficult to use about it? And often we find some consistent themes like uh, readability of text, readability of text, sorry. Uh, the text in terms of its height and its contrast, particularly when you're talking about uh, devices with small displays or even apps, which we do a lot of these days, um, getting contrast between your different uh, elements, between your different texts on the screen uh, can be very, very important to the usability of a product uh, and is worth taking the time to figure out ahead of time what the guidelines are. In fact, there are some guidances on that, that one topic uh, and trying to design those in from the beginning so that you don't get any big surprises when you go through usability studies. Uh, there are a lot of other aspects that can tie into that, you know, particularly when you're talking about displays, you have viewing angles, which can be uh, you know, a big problem. Everyone knows about that with TVs. If you sit at the wrong angle, you can't see anything. Well, imagine that you're now relying on that device for your life. Uh, for your life, you really want to be able to see it. 
So that can be a, a pretty important thing about being easy to use. Right. That's the that's the bare minimum, right? You want to be able to at least see everything that's going on correctly. Right. Uh, well, that, I mean, that, that brings up a good point too, actually, about bare minimums. So when we talk about requirements, and you mentioned this before, we, we mean requirements. So the specifications of the device and what it actually does have to exceed the requirements. They have to be better than the requirements. But the requirements are what this thing must do in order for it to help people, in order for it to be sellable, in order for it to be safe. Uh, and that's that's an important distinction to make because if you start requiring things that are really arbitrary, then you end up with bloating your effort enormously. We see this all the time with user interfaces. So we get these user interface specifications that specify you know, border widths and, and very specific colors on everything and pixel offsets within a, a box and making that that you know making that level of detail work can be very difficult depending on what platform you are developing for and certainly if you're working on something that's cross-platform if it has to work in linux and windows or ios and android uh, it can be very difficult to make uh the, the make a consistent look and feel across both of those and you end up wasting a lot of time pushing pixels around to do things that the the Apple look and feel doesn't want to uh, follow, which ends up costing a lot of money and not really providing a better user experience. I mean, people who use Apple products want that Apple language in their user interface, and people who use Android products expect that Android uh, language interface language in their uh, interface. And uh, and by forcing something else, you create extra work and you make a product that doesn't doesn't really speak to the users as well. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's it's just so many different aspects that you need to balance to make sure you deliver on on those user needs. It, I definitely feel your pain just in you describing it. Yeah. But, you know, at the same time, it can be exciting too. you know, when you have user needs and requirements that are laid out nicely and you have a clear path of what you need to accomplish as the designer. You know, it makes it makes reaching that goal a challenge, right? But at the same time, it not um, a nuisance. And you can get there and deliver on something that is you may be going to change an aspect of the industry for the better. You know, it could have really, really large positive um, consequences. So that's that just must be an exciting aspect of what you do as well. It is. Yeah. I mean, we work on some very, uh, you know, some very cutting edge type technologies. And it's pretty impressive to watch these things form, watch these high tech, fully custom, you know, life support devices that people are going to be relying on for their lives. To, to roll out the door uh, and and to know that to, to see the videos of people uh, you know using these devices and and to see their reactions and to see how important it is to them because it improves the quality of the life of life and in some cases supports their life uh, is is just it's really heartwarming uh, and it's it's why we all come into work every day I think but you know it's also important to remember you don't get there unless the requirements that are laid out in front of you are verifiable, are uh, unambiguous, right? And so um, it's really important for everyone to be on that same page and for the users to communicate what they need a little better and then to make sure that the teams that are in place who are designing this know exactly what to look for, right? Are, are well-versed on what makes a good system requirement you know, when we're looking at what they're asking for, how do we know what to then relate back to them? Hey, um, could you be a little uh, less ambiguous with this? Is there a more um, atomic uh, 
part of this that you need us to test, right? Um, so yeah, it's it's an exciting time. I think we're starting to see so much great med tech enter the industry, and I'm really excited to see how you and your team continue to help set a standard for you know what is a really great user need, what is a great user requirement, and how can everyone put their heads together, get on the same page to deliver on um, technology that, you know, is really needed in this industry. So again, thank you so much for joining us on this podcast, Nick. I uh, really enjoyed the insight. Yeah, thanks for having me. And thank you everyone for listening to today's podcast. And if you'd like to find out more or listen to previous episodes, you can head to marketscale.com industries and subscribe to previous podcasts, articles, and video content from your favorite industries. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. Till next time.